Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write. Because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hello, fellow writer. This is Kat Caldwell. Welcome to episode 160 of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. It is December 9th as I record this, and this will be going out on December 12th. I have an author interview for you today. Denise Baden is my guest. She's been on the show about a year ago, um, and I wanted to have her on because there are a couple things we're going to talk about, like competition, um, that a couple of you might be interested in participating in. So I'm excited to talk to her about that, and the interview will get started in just a second. Um, But I wanted to just thank you all for listening to the show, whether you're new, whether you've been listening for a while. The show is three years old. We're now in the fourth year, and I say we because I really consider you all part of this. I sort of jumped in with two feet in 2019, and I'm just really grateful for y'all for sticking with me through the ups and the downs, through the long interviews and the shorter interviews and the changing up of the format as I find the correct um, way to do this. I don't know if there's a correct way, um, but the way that works for us as as a group, as a community between you listeners and me talker, I guess, <laughs> whatever that means. So I want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year to everybody out there. Um, and I'm just, I'm just grateful for you all. 2022 has been a really full year. It was a challenging year, um, but I got a few things done and I hope that you did as well. I really want to encourage you to take some time to to remember all the things that you got done and not just remember the things you didn't get done. And my personality tends to think more about the things I didn't get done, but I'm really trying to force myself to celebrate what I got done. And I, I would encourage you to do that as well. Um, maybe get a group of you together and talk about what you did, you know, what you got done and only focus on that. And you know what, we can go into 2023 being really satisfied with what happened in 2022. Um, the world sort of opened up more and we moved on and we're moving forward. Um, and, and it's good to focus on the good things, right? And for 2023, it's always good to really assess, you know, what worked, what didn't work, um, both in business, in writing, and in personality. Um, as I talk about in a lot of these episodes, it's great to try new challenges. It's great to try new ways of writing. It's great to try new um, ways of marketing your book and selling your book. But it only really works if you step back and assess whether it worked, whether you enjoyed it. Um, whether, you know, you want to continue doing it, whatever that is. I know in 2023, I have a couple new things coming down the line that I'm really excited about, a couple of the old things I'm going to continue to do. Um, 
I went back out into um, person in-person selling at craft fairs and I, I do enjoy them a lot. I'm not sure they're worth doing yet. Perhaps I haven't found the correct ones just between the time of setup and the time that you're out there. But I enjoy them so much that I'll probably try a few more and just sort of see which which ones work for me, right? I, I was talking to a few vendors at this last one that I went to, and um, one lady sells dog treats, um, dog and cat treats. And she was saying, you know, there are some that work really well for, for me and not for others. And there are some that work really well for my friends who make jewelry or whatever and don't work well at all for me. And so it's just really part of stepping back and assessing um, where your audience is and what is working. So I encourage you to do both of those things as the year draws to a close, um, to celebrate 2022 and then look forward in 2023 on what you're going to continue to do. So thank you all for anyone who shares um, or subscribes to the podcast. I am building out the Buy Me a Coffee website. It is buymeacoffee.com forward slash pencils lipstick. I know that there are other options out there. Somebody was saying I should instead be on Patreon um, the other day with me. And I think there's another new, or maybe it's not new, maybe it's just new to me. And I can only be so many places at once. I am considering creating a discord that will go along with the buy me a coffee um, where it's just where the hosting is, where I can put the videos up on Buy Me A Coffee. So if you enjoy videos, you can pretty much only find the videos on buymeacoffee.com forward slash pencils lipstick. You can see the authors, what they look like. You can see me, you can see us interacting. Those are always free for a week. So you can check them out right away um, and watch the interview there. Otherwise, if you support the show in any way, any monetary sum, you can get access to the videos, um, past videos and current videos. So you also get access there to different um, PDFs that I have, different worksheets, uh, mostly for writing, um, some of it for marketing with email. And I just want that to be for you, for you guys who support the show by listening to it, by spending time with me every single week. This is a listener-supported endeavor, right? So it is value for value. I try to bring you value every single week, and you guys bring me value by spending time with me, by subscribing, by sharing the podcast with anybody that you think might be interested in it, by maybe you're buying books from the authors or following them, that is definite value given back or um, monetary value as well that helps support the show, whether you buy um, a product from a sponsor such as ProWritingAid or Stacey Juba, or if you um, partner with me at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pencils lipstick and you watch the videos there and you just support the show there. It's You guys are all awesome in all the aspects um, that you are supporting the show. So thank you so much. That is like the best Christmas gift ever that, that I see my numbers every week and I can see where you guys are all around the world. And I, it's just amazing. So in January, we are going to, um, we're going to change up a little bit, but I hope that you guys will like it. Um, as I said, I'm going to be, uh, I'm thinking about attaching Discord or perhaps Slack. I, I'm leaning towards Discord, but I will definitely let you know in the new year so that you guys can have a little bit more interaction with me. Twitter just seems too much and I don't 
I don't gravitate towards checking on it every day. Um, but Discord, you know, I can have the notification on my phone. So if you have questions, if you want to be really active um, as part of the Pencils and Lipstick community, that will be for members um, who support the show. We can have questions. I know lots of podcasts out there do like a monthly question and answer. Um, and so I am certified in book uh, and fiction book coaching. I am finishing up my certification. I'm like in the middle of it for nonfiction. I've been in the self-publishing arena for seven years now. So <laughs> I I have taken lots of courses and done lots of things and made lots of mistakes and learned from them. And I am here to help you in whatever capacity I can help you with. And, you know, I want to just continue this cycle of value, of giving you value and you bringing me value. And we are going to collaborate together. That's one of my big things for 2023, even, you know, off of the podcast is to collaborate with even more authors than I do already by doing webinars. Um, I just did a webinar with Sarah Elizabeth Sawyer about um, the top questions fiction writers ask about writing Native American characters. And that was an excellent webinar. Sarah Elizabeth Sawyer was on the show just a few weeks ago. I highly recommend you go listen to her interview. And I highly recommend you check out her course if you are writing fantasy um, or historical fiction, or you just you know, want a perspective or present day, you know, she was talking about how a lot of times people um, only write about Native Americans in the sense of the past and how they are still here, you know, they are still nations, they are still people groups here, present, you know, in present day. So um, if you write contemporary and you have Native American characters or are thinking about it, I would highly suggest you check her out, check out her interview and check out her web page page and check out her course. But we had a, a webinar where she talked about the top questions fiction writers have asked her throughout the years. Um, I'll be having a couple book coaches in. And so I'll be telling you about those webinars, but of course they'll be off the podcast air. But in the podcast, we'll be having author interviews as well. But we are going to have uh, each week, every month, um, not each week, but every month, one week, we'll be focusing a lot on marketing, specifically marketing our books. I will be talking about our editing and our writing, and there will be very specific thoughts on it, like how to find your premise. Um, and that might be a conversation with somebody, that might just be me. So we are going to have a little bit more interspersing of, of honing the craft and not just talking to others about how they do it, but really giving some um, some ideas and, and things that you can take home and start doing, like exercises. Um, so we'll be doing that. And then marketing, we'll be talking with marketing experts. Um, I have a really great couple marketing experts coming on. They have different niches, um, whether it's Facebook or book promotions. And I, I think it's great to hear perspectives from people who are, who have made that part of their job, right? Like not just my experience with it, but people who are in it every single day, um, helping writers sell their books. As it goes, um, this weekend, this is going out on the 12th and there are a couple different promotions that are going on with my books. Uh, Coffee Stains is free until the 13th, December 13th on Amazon. 
the ebook, of course. Um, and then Stepping Across the Desert, my historical fiction is on sale for 99 cents. And that is wide everywhere. It's on sale for 99 cents for this week. Um, I'll be promoting that more because, of course, the sequel's coming out. So all these different things. I'll have more updates next week on how this sort of promotion weekend went for me. I don't have those stats for you yet, but we'll definitely be talking a little bit more in 2023 about these specific things that we can do. And I'll be very honest with what is working for me. And of course, what works for me might not work for you, but you'll at least have the backstory to that. One other thing that is going to happen in 2023 is writer retreats. I am putting together a writer retreat first in Spain. So if you are a listener in Europe or across the seas, or you're a listener not in Europe, but you are looking for a reason to get to Europe. And of course, most of you know that Spain is what I call my second home. It is where my husband is from. My children are half Spanish. My in-laws are all Spanish. And um, I love that country. I think it is a beautiful country. And I think it's a perfect place to have a writer's retreat. It is inspiring. Um, the food is excellent. And so we have put together, or we are in the midst of putting together a writer's retreat there for the end of March. It will be the last week of March. And right now the flights are very well priced. Um, so I am going to get more details for that and you will hear a lot about it starting in January. And we are adamant about keeping it as affordable as possible. And that is one of the reasons why we're starting in Spain. Spain is a very affordable country. Um, so I really encourage any of you who are wanting to travel this year, um, and especially you who are in Europe, if you want to do five days of writing of one-on-one -on -one with a fiction book coach, and I'm going to be partnering with a nonfiction coach, we have, um, I think we have seven books published between the two of us or more. Um, we've both been in it for a long time. We are going to have some specific workshops. We're going to have some one-on-one -on -one time with each attendant. Um, we are going to go out into nature and see some amazing sights and eat some amazing food and talk about um, writing and in different spaces and just have this filling up of our creativity. We're also going to have time to just write and get feedback on it. Just be together. Um, it's going to be really great. And we're probably going to cap it at about 12 to 14 people. Um, so once that registration starts, we will have a time of putting down your deposit and, um, those spots will probably go pretty quickly. But of course, I want you to keep that in mind. If you have any questions, you can contact me on Instagram at catcaldwell.author or th via the podcast Instagram, pencils and lipstick all spelled out. You can go to my website, catcaldwell.com and click the contact and ask me questions. If you're on my newsletter, all you have to do is reply to the newsletter. It comes straight to my email. So I'll try to answer as many questions as I can if you have them now. Um, we're still finalizing the price, but again, we're trying to make it, you know, very accessible for everyone. We really are adamant about that because we understand writers want to do a lot of things and sometimes find just the price is out of their, their price range, right? But we have to um, obviously 
pay the venue and pay the people who are helping us and all of that and get the food. Um, but this retreat will have the price will include um, the venue and the food and the traveling between the airport and the venue as well. So all of that together, just keep that in the back of your mind. Again, if you have questions, it might be easiest to go to catcaldwell.com and click the contact um, button there. So this week, I um, have an author interview for you, as I said. So before we get into the interview, I just want to remind you to subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this. Please share it out with all of your friends, your writer friends. Um, And if you have somebody that you would love to hear from for the show, definitely contact me. I am contacting a few others. I asked this out on Instagram and got a couple um, suggestions, but you can always let me know um, or tell them if, if you're friends with them to pitch me and they can go to pencilsandlipstick.com to do that. They can go to the Instagram pages, whether it's mine or the the podcast Instagram. Again, my email, if you're a newsletter subscriber, go to catcalledwell.com if that's what you can um, remember. And links are always in the show notes, of course. And for for Denise Baden, um, there will be links in the show notes below um, as well. So please share, subscribe, and and continue to listen. We are, I'm very excited about the new things coming up that we are going to experience together. Um, we are going to get more books out into the world, more stories written and finished. And I am super excited about that. Now, without further ado, let's get into the sponsor of the show and the interview. Some of you have heard me say that I am a fiction book coach. Well, I am an author accelerator, certified fiction book coach. I want to tell you about the author accelerator program. If you are thinking at all about becoming a book coach, author accelerator is on a mission to raise the bar on book coaching to help book coaches run successful, sustainable businesses while helping writers do their best work. They have certified and trained more than 100 book coaches, including me, through their book coach certification program. If you're interested in doing this work for yourself, you can click on the link below. There is both a fiction course and a nonfiction course. And if you guys have any thoughts or questions about it, feel free to ask me, Kat Caldwell, about my experience, but I'll tell you right now. I loved it. The course is very in-depth, but it's not overwhelming. It's very well done. And I feel extremely prepared now to help any author who comes my way seeking help from editing a scene to editing an entire manuscript, from getting started to getting it published. It covers everything. And a lot of this stuff I knew personally but it always helps to really have that vocabulary and the exercises that I had to do behind me. I also had to work with three separate authors in order to get certified and I had to hand in all the work for them to go over. So this is not something where I just buy the program and they give me a stamp of approval. They saw my work 
they evaluated it, they gave me feedback, and then every month we get feedback from each other on what is working, what is not working, and advice and everything else. If you are wanting to look into that and maybe become a book coach in 2023, I would highly recommend you check out Author Accelerator. Denise Baden works as a professor of sustainable practice at the University of Southampton. But she started the Green Stories Writing Competitions in 2018 in order to inspire writers to create positive visions of what a sustainable society might look like. She said that she decided to turn to fiction writing because she thought perhaps instead of preaching to the converted, she could convert some other people outside of the people she worked with every single day. After starting the Green Stories writing competitions, she wrote her own novel, Habitat Man. It began as an effort to illustrate what a solution-based approach might look like, and then it took on a life of its own. She is now working on the sequel to that. This past year of 2022, she compiled an anthology of climate solutions wrapped in short stories called No More Fairy Tales, Stories to Save Our Planet. And this is what Denise and I focus a lot on in this author interview. We talk about her anthology, working with other writers. We talk about the Green Stories writing competitions, and we just talk about writing about something you're passionate about without being preachy. I am so happy to have Denise back. You can find her at dabaden.com. The links will be in the show notes. And we'll also have the links to the anthology, to the Green Stories writing competitions, and to Habitat Man as well. Hello, Denise. How are you doing? It's been a while since we've seen each other on screen. (laughs) Hi, Kat. Yeah, I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. I'm glad to have you back to talk about all the things that you've been up to in the last year. Um, but before we go on, will you introduce yourself for anyone who is new to the yeah, podcast? Sure. So I'm uh, Professor Denise Baden, uh, Professor of Sustainability at the University of Southampton in the United Kingdom. And um, I, I guess I'm here because I chose fiction as a way to try and get some of my ideas out there to sort of move beyond preaching to the converted, <laughs> find new audiences. And also it's so much more fun than writing journal articles. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, the last time you were here, we talked a lot about um, how you moved from like in your professorship, you, you have students yeah. who are interested in climate change and all those. And so they are kind of already are converted. That's um, right. So you wrote Habitat Man, which is a romantic comedy, is it? Yeah, it's a rom-com. Yeah. And um, it's actually based on a real life green garden consultant who gave up his job in London uh, to help people make their gardens wildlife friendly. Nice. And um, I just thought, what a great idea for a plot. So I threw in a love interest and a body buried in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. (laughs) As you do. And, um, yeah, he's been trying to live it down ever since. (laughs) (laughs) I did not find a body. (laughs) That's right. Well, you never know. All of the all of the British mysteries, there's always a body somewhere weird. <laughs> there has to be a body in the garden, yeah. <laughs> Actually, what was really interesting about that in terms of, you know, trying to, in a way, 
affect people's behavior, but mm-hmm. without being preachy or boring and doing it in a fun way. Right. A load of people wrote to me and they said, you know what, the natural burial scene was so moving. I've now changed my will. I'm going to have a natural burial. Oh, wow. And, um, and there's also a scene where I decided if my hero is going to have a great epiphany, a revelation moment, he had it in a composting toilet. And um, that, was, <laughs> that was another one that people really liked. It's like, oh, you make composting toilets sound really cool. <laughs> There you go. That's you awesome. never know what's going to stick. <laughs> this is very true. So, the things that were in your book, just for anyone who hasn't mm-hmm. listened to the last episode, which I'll have a link in the show notes, but they were all real things. Like it yeah. wasn't science fiction; it was stuff that you can actually change. That's right. Yeah, for okay. sure. That's wonderful. So, you not only write fiction, so you have Habitat Man as a full manuscript, yeah. but you've been running this contest for a while. Um, so has it kept the same name or has it not kept the same name? How, how is oh, that? The Green Stories Writing Competitions. The Green Stories Writing Competitions. <laughs> so that's yes, the I, overall. Yeah. So, um, I set these up in about 2018 because I realized there's a real gap in, in the market mm. because, um, there was a lot of cli-fi out there, but it's really dystopian. Yes. And it's like, you know, unless we do something, terrible things are going to happen. And this is what it looked like. And um, I didn't really like it. I mean, much okay. as I care about the environment, I, I kind of read for pleasure and to be uplifted. And I did a bit of research on it as well. And I found that, you know, people, some people are really engaged by fear and dystopia, but a lot of people just switch off. And yeah. they go into denial or avoidance, you know, perfectly rational responses, really. Right. And well, if the I, earth is going to burn, why... <laughs> Why do anything? What could I'm, I do? Yeah, it would be almost like yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, it feeling so helpless, doesn't it? Right. And it's, as I thought, well, I think if we're going to be creating this eco-anxiety, let's try and harness some solutions in here. And, yeah. um, and pretty well every film as well is set in the future is dystopian. I thought, That's very true. <laughs> yeah, we need a vision. We need to know what a sustainable society might look like if it's done well, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like all the films are like, you guys already screwed this up and now the, yeah. the few of us still surviving are. You know, I thought, you know, there was, there's plenty of competitions out there, but there didn't seem to be any that were asking for green solutions to be put okay. in, the, in the manuscript. Right. So, you know, um, so I set up the Green Stories writing competitions. Where I kind of challenge writers. I, I put all kinds of solutions on the website. I say, try and, you know, almost like product placement, <laughs> planet yeah. placement, if you like. Try, try and bung these in. And, um, and I got loads of entries, not many of which fit the criteria. Oh. <laughs> Sure, with a free competition, I, I guess. But um, lots of them were like they raised awareness, perhaps, but they mm. didn't tie it to any solution other than okay. chucking in your job to go and fight rainforest destroyers. Like everyone's going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas my body in the garden, you know, which doesn't use a mahogany coffin, <laughs> yeah, nice locally grown willow coffin. In a way, that is a solution. Okay. Um, that people can engage in. So right. that's one of the reasons I started writing myself because I thought, oh, I, maybe I need some examples of what I mean. Um, so that's really helped actually um, to to get people to understand the difference between just raising awareness right. and actually showing people what a solution might look like. <laughs> yeah, because I think most of us have the awareness. I think what you're right in that most of us don't have the solution other than, you know, turn off your lights and you know, yeah. um, save and your water. You're, <laughs> I'm if you're to not aware of. as well, it's because you're choosing not to be, I think, by yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. There's, I'm sure we all know one of one or two of those people. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, not, it's not that they're not aware. They're just literally ignoring. Um, I, I do understand that. So with Habitat Man, I skip all the alarming statistics on biodiversity mm. loss and go straight to, you know, well, mostly the love interest and the fun. But I bung in a few solutions there. Sure. But the, the one coming up, I think that your listeners will be interested in will be the Orna Ross Green Stories Novel Prize. So some people will know the name Orna Ross from the Alliance of Independent Authors. She's been a real champion for self-publishing. So she sponsored this prize now for a couple of years running. And we're looking for a full-length novel. And in the first instance, we asked for three chapters. And it's okay. open to anybody um, as long as it's unpublished and, mm-hmm. um, and it's in English, basically. Okay. And ideally, we want, we'll probably, sometimes we come back if we can't decide between the finalists to ask for some more chapters. Okay. So it doesn't have to be a completely polished, finished product, but maybe pretty far into your first draft, I think, before you might be ready to send anything in. Right. <laughs> and um, check, check out the website. It's greenstories.org.uk. And it'll, it'll give all the details there. Okay. To check the criteria. Because we, we rely, because it's a free competition on volunteer judges, and we don't want to waste their time with lots of entries that don't meet the criteria. So do check the website first. Um, but it's particularly good for, um, we, we all mentor people towards publication, having had some experience ourselves. And uh, we just published our first winner. <laughs> I Ooh. set up this imprint Habitat Press to support the Green Stories uh, project. And we just published Visco, which is our winner from 2020. So um, oh, well, we hope that. that of the entrants we'll have something worthy of publication <laughs> Yeah, further down the line. Oh, so the but these are full length novels that offer yeah. some sort of solution or like, like yours. Example, were, yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to say so. Last year's was called um, Unfrozen. It was a lovely story about uh, a guy waking up 40 years into the future and he suddenly realizes, hang on a minute, why was I cryogenically frozen? <laughs> so it's, it's a mystery, and his children are now older than him, and um, and he's 40 oh, years in the weird. future. You got this great hook straight away, but also it's a lovely opportunity to see what society looks like now. So in some ways, we've really addressed a lot of the issues, but in other ways, there's there's other issues that that are now worrying us. So you've got this lovely backdrop of a society. You can kind of plug in what what it might look like if we did a bit right. Um, Plus a really engaging hook. Now, I can't wait to publish this, but he's still working on it. You know, he's about halfway through it now, and I'm encouraging him. Yeah, get it finished. I'd love to have it ready for next year's competition, so people can read it and get an idea yeah. of you know what a what what a novel like that looks like. Okay, so when you when you apply for this, um, the Green Stories dot org dot uk is the link, right? So we'll yeah. have that link in the show notes, and the deadline's January third to get those first three uh-huh. chapters in. Yeah, but then you mentor them, you help them, especially if it's a first time writer, to get it. Publish underneath Green Store, the Habitat. Well, we can do it a number of ways. So, um, for example, um, with David Feld, who wrote Visco, uh, we had a free manuscript appraisal and um, then basically encouragement get it done. And when it's done, Mm -hmm. send it 
send it over and you know if we can publish it ourselves and make it easier for you um, or feel free to find a publisher or do it yourself it's just kind of a little bit of hand-holding really sure. and a bit of sure. advice so that's the sort of the more informal element is kind of create a little community of writers who are all trying to change the world through through yeah. great stories <laughs> yeah but that's very nice because yeah. you get sort of a different pair of eyes on it of people who might yeah. be a little a few steps ahead of you and that's always nice in this yes. field <laughs> I'm getting that encouragement <laughs> it certainly is in that hand holding uh. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I need my hand out so they're gonna find all of the the details yeah. on the website but basically it has to be well, you kind of prefer that at least the idea is fleshed out yeah. and they know that there's some sort of solution or some sort of encouraging yeah. uplifting yeah I guess, story to, that that yeah. ties in with climate change. And- so we asked for the first chapter, um, okay. a chapter that best illustrates how they meet the criteria and another chapter, you know, in the end chapter. If right. You have it. Okay, okay, um, okay. But uh, another one of, of your choice. And um, it doesn't even have to have an explicitly green theme. It can just be, you know, uh, more subtly promoting green solutions while actually right. maybe being a thriller or a romance or, or whatever. Sure. So, for example, Unfrozen doesn't have a specifically green theme. It's just a lovely opportunity to to feed in what that society looks like. Yeah, absolutely. What it might look like if we yeah. <laughs> moved away from fossil fuels or something, like what uh-huh. that imagination would be. Okay, that's super interesting. And this has been going on. You've done short stories before, right? But you've done yeah. definitely like full novels as well. We've done novels, we've done radios, scripts, um, wow. we've done screenplays. I'm not we they haven't been produced. I mean, my hope was, <laughs> you know, we'll get these in, we'll send them off, and you know, production companies will pick them up and say, Yeah, we'll make that. Um, but it's a very competitive industry. We, yes. we do send the winners off, um, say for example, in the UK to the BBC. Um but we haven't yet had any bites on that. Um, that's interesting. But that's still something to to aspire to. <laughs> maybe maybe the fear still sells too well <laughs> in the news media. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, maybe they'll figure out how much. Because um, really, the the idea for you is, as you started out with Habitat Man, was yeah. to find solutions and encourage people and to make a difference really with your writing, yes. even if it's sort of a handful of people at a time or a couple hundred, yeah. couple thousand that read your book, and. I mean, we would all, it would be lovely if radio and television would get into that as well, but that has sort of moved forward. And have you, since we've talked, have you seen, I mean, I guess that you've seen an encouraging result on that, on that sort of making a difference and using your writing in that way. Definitely. So I was at a, uh event i was speaking actually event at the responsible media forum um last month with netflix sustainability manager there and uh the bbc sustainability content manager and they were talking about how they're trying to integrate green themes into their stories and i was at an event last week where they are looking for for scripts now with a green theme actually to be honest and i'm delighted by this they've almost entirely adopted the green stories criteria okay (laughs) um so that's that's great and i am they were were sneaking on your website (laughs) i'm pitching some ideas myself i am pitching some ideas myself i'm pitching the idea i can't decide which ones to do so i'm only allowed to pitch two okay i've got three Might have um, to pick a straw. <laughs> one is Habitat Man, um, which would make a perfect TV series. Actually. Right. 
Um, like one of those mini TV series. I yeah, love sort of quite lyrical, quite nature-based, because it's a different garden each week kind of thing. Um, another one is the idea of a, a Christmas movie called Green Santa, where um, toys are made in a toy hospital rather than a toy factory nice. to promote the idea of reuse over, you know, buy and throw away. <laughs> yes. And another is The Assassin, which is based on a, <laughs> a story I wrote for the anthology I'm going to talk about in a minute, where you've got eight people in a citizen's jury um, discussing climate change solutions, one of which is an assassin. <laughs> oh, my word. That's yeah, so yeah. Cool. So um, that actually would also, I can visualize as making quite, quite a good uh, hmm. series there. So, um, yeah, I Everybody have to decide tweet which one to Denise and tell her what she should <laughs> Yeah, so we've got a whodunit, uh, a Christmas movie, and a sort of rom-com. So they couldn't be more different in genre. <laughs> it's so true. I yeah. guess it kind of depends on how quickly they could get it through. I guess, you know, the evergreen ones would, you know, they'd have to get Christmas out by next year. Yeah. Which I don't know, maybe they could because it's, well, but that's wonderful that Netflix and the BBC, I mean, those are television Yeah you know, giants, basically. Right. That They're could... really into it, you know, and they don't want, you know, preachy, dystopian right. ones. They, they want exactly what I've been talking about, something that people can engage in and inspire them and, and talk more about the solutions and, than the problems. Right, right. To sort of yeah. live out the example yeah. um, <laughs> on the screen, right? And to, if we fall in love with those characters, we always want to yeah. be and act like those characters. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I That's can see right. that. That's wonderful that television is changing in all sorts of ways. We're representing more people. We're representing different lives. And, yeah, represent the changes that we can make. Well, one um, of the things I'm quite interested in is the effect of role models, because I, I did a bit of research into it as well. And I'm doing some research now. Um, hashtag climate characters. <laughs> it's, oh. I, it, we're going to start it properly soon. Um, but I've got a bit on the Green Stories website. We'll be quite interested in how fictional characters affect our own aspirations. So for all those Sex in the City or and Just Like That was the sequel, wasn't it? Or Emily in Paris fans, yeah. you know, where the you know, the main character has got a different outfit each day as a walk-in wardrobe, you know, the size of a museum. Yeah. Uh, where all your heroes have fast cars and private jets. You know, is that still okay Yeah. to be promoting this kind of really high-carbon lifestyle as an aspiration when we know now, if we choose to think about it, the environmental consequences of that? So I kind of just want to start the conversation because – when I look now, for example, just back 10 years at films, I think, oh, my God, that's so sexist. Yes. Oh, that's so racist. <laughs> I'm wondering if in 10 years' time we'll go back and think, oh, that's so consumerist. Yeah. <laughs> who yeah. knows? You know, who knows where we'll end up? But I, I think it is probably worth thinking about how we are affected um, by, by what, you know, the fictional characters. That is true. And, I mean, it would be so easy to to have a couple episodes about the impact of the textile industries. Yeah. You know, I mean, I came back from Nepal last year. I think I went after I spoke to you hmm. and very much, you know, I'd always been aware of textile issues, but very much changed a lot of our habits and yeah. decided. And I think, you know, it's the easy, It no, it's not the easy, it's the cheap, like things are cheaper, you know, yeah. because they're made in certain places but the conditions of the workers are much much worse you know people used yeah. to buy a lot more local because that's what it was 
you know, the seamstress. And of course, people lost those jobs and they all moved overseas. But deciding, it's not just like not having as much. It's I might have fewer items, but they were made yeah. at least by somebody who was paid properly and given proper working yeah. conditions. You know, yeah, and so kind of all the way through. aspect too. You're right, right, right. But you don't even need it. Like, for example, Emily in Paris, I must confess to loving that series. Um, well, it is visually beautiful. It is. And there's a sexy French chef from Paris. And of course, you know, of course you like it. But, you know, a lot of it is about her being really inventive with marketing techniques. But mm-hmm. there's so much going on now with fashion swaps and pre-loved apps yeah. and things like that. It, it doesn't have to be that trope of women shopping with, you know, these bags bouncing against their thighs kind of thing yeah it could be women swapping you know absolutely you don't need it it's not a necessary part of of the story you could just as easily be promoting those sort of like pre-loved clothes and and that kind of thing yeah and they're really taking off now aren't they (laughs) yes I mean I a friend of mine actually her husband used to work the Paris runway as a hair as a hair um designer I guess uh-huh. is what they would call it you know the hairstylist and she would rent clothes yeah. while she was over there because Makes she sense. wanted to yeah. deal with the the suitcase and you have to wear a certain you know yeah style when you're the assistant she's like I just rent it and it's fun <laughs> and you know you get these clothes that are sort of like yeah. new you feel new you feel beautiful and then you leave them and they and you don't and- have all like you know you can't find anything because your wardrobe's so stuffed <laughs> No kidding. Especially if space becomes ever more popular. There's no way Emily in Paris has that space. It's got a tiny little flat. <laughs> it's so Paris. Good. It's Paris. Yeah. And what's funny is like if you go over to France, the French women are very much about the accessories more than anything. Yeah. So it's not even true to life. You know? like, no. <laughs> it's so funny. But you're right. We idolize these certain mm. things, um, yeah. which is interesting because then we have things like, I think it was a Kardashian or something jetted off for like, five minute trip or something and yeah. just got, you know, ripped on social media because people are like, you know, you, you have the ability to influence certain yeah. things. Whereas the rest of us normal people are like, well, I'm trying my best, you know, but I don't I have know. a private jet. <laughs> yeah. We're getting called out for it now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We're like, especially if you put it out there and rightly so, like you should be called out yeah. for for flying five minutes but then it, interestingly enough the shows that we want to watch are those well I'm going yeah. to jet you off to Chicago it's five minutes away <laughs> I know you see I I can't enjoy those anymore because I'm too immersed in the subject um it's like <laughs> you know if you worked in an abattoir you wouldn't want to watch someone eating beef <laughs> but um yeah, yeah, and I think more and more people are, are beginning to sort of feel a little bit uneasy. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it yeah, goes. we will. But yeah. part of that is the influence of pitching um, Netflix. And then you are, I mean, you're finding a lot of writers who are into this as well, where that part of yeah. their conscious is creating solutions or integrating it. And I know most writers do have sort of a life theme that they're uh-huh. passionate about yeah. that ends up in their writing it, because that's part of them, right? And so you are finding quite a few authors who this is yeah. their passion, right? It, because you just 
published an anthology. So I have, yes. Um, it's called No More Fairy Tales: Stories to Save Our Planet, and um, it's a uh, Steve, this this chemical engineer who had entered one of my green stories competitions <laughs> way back. He said, "I've got all these ideas, and like no one's listening. Why don't we do an anthology in time for COP 27?" And I looked at it. It's like we have about 220 days between now and then. It's impossible. And he says, so is the climate crisis. But have you given up on that? <laughs> well, there like, you go. Oh, okay. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> so um, we, we As if you're not busy enough, Denise. <laughs> gonna I'm so glad I did it, though. I mean, it always driven me to a nervous breakdown trying to get it done in time. But what was lovely was working with these authors. So we put a call out to some of the Green Stories winners and some more experienced authors like Kim mm-hmm. Stanley Robinson and Paolo Bacigalupi you know, who write these great kind of climate fiction. And um, and we got stories flooding in and we kind of work with the writers together with the climate experts. And it's kind of an iterative process. So sometimes you have beautifully written stories, but there wasn't much there of a solution. Mm. And, you know, we decided we wanted big solutions that would really okay. make a difference, not tiny little tinkering around the edges. So okay. then we'd have to say to you, can you just boost this bit up a bit right or other ones we'd have one where there's just like all climate solution there's no plot <laughs> yes <laughs> you know um and so we we got on board um actually it's quite a lovely story as uh, a sort of freelance comedy writer and his wife uh, was a real greenie and she died earlier this year oh. and i only found out quite recently that's what got him into it he he met this guy steve at her funeral and um and in testament to her, he basically devoted himself to the cause of Aww. taking stories from people who know a lot about climate, but perhaps aren't such great story writers, and turning them into really good plots and characters. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and one of them is based on his own experience. It wasn't until later that I realized the character there who'd been motivated by by love for his, his dead wife was actually him. Oh, wow. And it, oh, it brought a tear to my eye. And it's like every author has their own story of why they want to do this. Yeah. Because I thought, you know, how come you've all turned this around so quickly? And we didn't know at the time if we'd even have funds and, you know, but a lot of them, they they write as therapy. Because if you sort of work in the area of of climate change and you've got this strong idea of what would make a difference and and no one's listening, you kind of, you write it. You think, well, if I write it, maybe it will happen. Yeah. We've already had that. We had a couple of stories that had this lovely idea of giving nation status to the ocean. Because we all think about planting trees, but land is only a fraction of our planet. Most of right. it is sea. You can get way more benefit from planting seagrass and kelp. And also, people can do what they want to the ocean. They control the bottom. They can destroy it, destroy coral, acidify it, and there's no cost to them. So the idea is, what if you give the ocean nation status, give it legal rights, and then charge for anybody to access its services? And those monies can be put into projects to plant seagrass and kelp and and all these things that will absorb carbon. Um, And it's a really well thought out idea. And we kind of, one story pitches the idea and another one goes back to it and sees what it looks like decades down the line when it's going to happen. And the author who was behind that was at the World Ocean Summit last week and was speaking to key people there who loved the idea and said, let's do a session on this at the next Ocean Summit in Lisbon. And Wonderful. I'm talking to, uh, on Wednesday, actually, to our head of law. And he loves the idea. He says giving rights to nature is one of the most impactful things we can do, perhaps, to start, you know, 
preserving yeah. our, our lovely world, he's very interested in this. So we're thinking, can we actually find a way to make the story we wrote a reality? And it's beginning to look like, you know, all the steps are laid out in the story. <laughs> Maybe we just need to follow them in real life. And and it's a safe space as well. Like um, in a story, you can play out what something might look like. Right. It's like science fiction. You imagine a technology or AI taking over it and you play out what might this look like. Right. Uh, you know, some are dystopian, some are utopian, mostly dystopian. But it's a safe space. And it's the same thing with um, social changes. Like, what if instead of currency, you had a kind of carbon credit card where, you know, high carbon purchases you were rationed? What might that look like? Mm. No politician could talk about it. No. <laughs> it would be far <laughs> too dangerous. But, oh, my word, would it make the difference in terms of climate? It, all the innovation would go towards sustainable you know, innovation. We'd have sustainable aviation fuel in a minute <laughs> if yeah. no one could afford to fly. Whereas That's at the moment, true. it's begging for investment. And I want them to succeed. I want to go traveling without guilt, <laughs> without flight yeah. shame. Um, of course. But you can't, you can float these ideas in a story, you know, and you can play out the winners, the losers, how it might work, and start raising awareness of something that in one day might become necessary, but people don't understand it. Yeah. Or again, with citizens' juries, it's quite hard to make long-term decisions in a democracy where you've got the electoral cycle. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you have citizen assemblies where, you know, they've been shown to really lead to much better decision-making, actually, and much more sustainable decision-making. And, and the only barrier to them becoming really taking off is public awareness, Okay. So the story, The Assassin, that, that I wrote, that I'm now developing into a play and also a screenplay, is a really lovely way to raise that awareness. Right. Um, so we're really excited about it. And I think a lot, like I said, a lot of the authors, they write as therapy, hoping that by writing it, they can help make it happen. And um, But the art, um, I think we were saying earlier how hard it is to write something you care passionately about without over over egging <laughs> it and making it really preachy and, and awful and so every single story went through professional literary consultants right, and came right. back and to be honest if they didn't meet the I you know I don't want to put this down test yes <laughs> it, it, it didn't make it in each story has had to deliver on the story as well right because you want people to follow through and finish yeah, the story people but... are reading for pleasure they've chosen yes. a fiction book yeah they want to learn something but mostly they want to be entertained so we've got yeah. romances <laughs> we've got family yeah. dramas you know we, we've got all, all kinds of genres in there right I mean that's what we that's why stories started right to teach yeah. The community, but wrapped up in in a story. Yeah. So you know that's why kids <laughs> love a story. They don't know that they're learning. It's not sitting down and doing math. But it, I also can see how, as you're writing a solution in uh -huh. fiction form, you can almost not like the defensiveness might fall away, where you can yeah. feel like you can open it up to discussion. You yeah. know, where people are excited about it instead of this. The situation we have these days where it seems like every time there's a debate, people are just like digging their own hole further and further. It's not a conversation. It's I'm defending this and you're defending that. And even yeah. if you might convince me, <laughs> I'm, you know, and the audience goes because they're, you know, for yeah. one person or the other. And it, it's just, 
it's tiring to watch. Whereas I feel like with fiction, you go, well, that's interesting. You know, yeah. kind of maybe it takes down those wall barriers, even even as the person who wrote it, like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, what if this would happen? Well, you know, that just seems a lot more productive. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying there wasn't any debate, though, because sure, we, we sure. offered each story out to a group of people and, oh, my word, the differences. So everyone wanted the same thing, basically, avert the climate crisis, have a nice future to look forward to. Right. But, you know, the engineers love a big audacious solution and the more unlikely and impossible and difficult the better okay. so <laughs> they don't want it easy no because then they can't demonstrate their skill so they're like you know glaciers are freezing well let's just refreeze them you know what like you do with snow slopes you know pump snow at them we can do that you know there's too much sun let's put a big big solar shade block it out <laughs> and, and like the social sciences are saying are you crazy you know, if that got into the wrong hands, it would be a weapon. Yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> and the engineers of all the don't problems. care about that. But we could make it work. <laughs> and then the ecologists, you know, are thinking, you know, the ocean's too acid. Let's put in some alkali. And the ecologists are thinking, well, what about, you know, the ecology and the ecosystem? Just leave nature alone, and everything will be all right. And so they all got very different approaches: your nature-based ones, your, your your techies, your social scientists hugely different approaches because the okay. social scientists are thinking well what's the point pouring all this money into projects that suck the carbon out the air if we're still pumping it back in with our society that basically encourages everyone to consume as much as possible right you know it's like having the hot tap on with the plug out yeah so they, they look and i think um our anthology i you know it, it delivers something for everybody every point of view is covered yeah. So I think there's plenty there if you're a techie to enjoy. There's plenty there if you're more into the social aspect. Um, there's plenty there for your nature lovers. Um, and sometimes it's played out in the plot. Like we've got one romance where there's a sort of very um, kind of feminist ecologist who's all about nature and men come along with their big machines trying to make everything better. They just make it worse. And this guy who's very much into tech will solve it. So you've okay. got proper trees versus artificial trees, and they play it out in a bit of a sort of an edgy romance. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. But yeah. I mean, too, playing out just the the dialogue between the different sciences, I mean, that's an interesting story yeah. plot as well of like, hey, if, you know, these are all the things, but that's what we do with story. We play them out and we see if we can get a step further, you know, yeah. than having to actually do it in real life of like, if we could get all of the, the social sciences and the ecologists and everyone sort of on the same page of this thing, you know, how yeah. could it then go forward? Like, so I can see so much benefit to all of this. Um, as you, as you keep going, like you're only four years into this really of, yeah. you know, you've had four years of contests and now you have, this is the first anthology. It's the second anthology. The second anthology. So, um, but I'm really, really proud of it because we were much more, this has to be, pro, you know, not just a green theme, but a proper climate solution. And I honestly believe, Kat, if, if government looked at this book and did everything we said, we would be out of the woods and on our way to a perfect future. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? Now we yeah. have to convince the politicians that being doom and gloom doesn't help them. <laughs> no. 
I know it's hard. <laughs> There's so many things. So maybe for your next one, giving no, I'm just kidding, getting the, the politicians on board. I, I mean, but that is the hard thing about all of yeah. this, right? Is the way that we interact in society, people's different yeah. jobs, you know, once you connect money to certain things or, but it's wonderful to put this together and to find solutions and then to be like you're you're talking things out yeah. and other people, other writers are talking things out specifically with this disarming fiction story. Like, let's look at this and see, you know, people yeah. see it as a good idea and then it, maybe it'll take off. And I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Yeah. <laughs> that is wonderful. I mean, I think that. You're a great example of how if somebody has any sort of passion, that there are solutions to using your writing yeah. towards that passion. Um, That's where the art is. Because to be honest, it's hard enough. I mean, we, we both know just to write a decent story that engages people with good characters and good pace and good plot. Uh, it's hard enough to do that when you're just trying to tell a story. Yeah. But when you're trying to get over an idea at the same time, um it's extra hard and it's so easy to do it badly so (laughs) I know because I I have to read a lot of the entries and um it it is easy to do it badly so one of the things we also do is do some sort of storytelling workshops and things like that writing for a cause and to try and give people a chance to sort of brainstorm in a friendly space and get feedback and and so on um, because yeah, it's easy to do it badly, and and you know, the, my first steps, I did it badly. My first drafts are always appalling. <laughs> well, yes, I write it out my system, and then I just really edit harshly. And think, yes. is this actually interesting for the reader to read in its own right? And if it's not, it comes out. <laughs> that's that's a good question to ask all the time. Yeah. So, are your writers usually climate scientists and profession no, professors, no. or are they just a mix? Some writers. Um, some... So, like I said, for this one, for the anthology, I'd say maybe a third of the writers were climate, or not exact experts, but maybe an expert in a particular field, mm, and okay. they were the ones that worked very much with the kind of the actual writers, the experienced right. writers, and the literary consultants, and so on. To really boost up the story elements. Okay. Um, so, for example, one of them, he, you know, he knew he knew everything about everything, but he put it all on the page, and it was really hard. Then, you know, we had to do a lot of work to, to get it to good. And in the end, there's some stories which are written by three of us, and we actually wrote really well together because we all brought something completely different to it. Oh, that's fun. Um, and and that was the only way we could do that for a few of the stories. So everyone's skills were were involved. Some of the writers are just beautiful writers. I mean, there's mm. a couple that are pure poetry. And um, one of them also happened to know quite a bit climate, which was great. And another yeah. one didn't. And we had to then go in and say, well, can you do this? Oh, it breaks the flow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, just do it without breaking the flow. Then we can include it because it's such a great story. <laughs> but what a great way to challenge a writer. Yeah. You know, whoever, whatever your expert is, expertise is, yeah. you know, you're being challenged to write if your expertise is more in the yeah. sciences and you're being challenge to incorporate sciences if your expertise is writing and we should all be challenged right (laughs) in in each of our our areas that's right that's right so this anthology is already out 
It is. Uh, we had a bit of trouble actually on Amazon. It's uh, you know it's notionally published second of December, uh, November in time for COP twenty seven, but then Amazon blocked it <laughs> because we had stories that had been published in other places which writers had donated to us. We had a couple of stories like that, and even though I sent them, you know, signed contracts and you know confirmation we had permission, it still took them three weeks to unblock it and so we really we wanted to capture you know all the interest around the COP27 talks in Egypt and we missed all that although I did actually oh, manage yeah. to attend virtually and do some sessions there right so um so we're how, a little how bit did behind Amazon know that how would they know but it triggers you know if you've got copyrighted content in there and they obviously put it through some software and it flagged up as having been published elsewhere Oh, and, you know, that's good. I mean, good that they're doing that. <laughs> but it wasn't good because we didn't get an email back saying this is what you've done. We got a, a cut and paste from their guidelines. There's 10 right. different reasons it might have, you know, oh, been yeah. blocked. And then we had to do this detective work. And we never really got a proper reply. It was just almost like a robot replying with a cut and paste from some different guidelines. So, oh, it was intensely frustrating because all the authors had worked so hard and I was beginning to think, I can't believe this. We've worked so hard. Will this never be published? Oh, my gosh. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's why my hair's grey. It was basically beautiful, beautiful brown a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) Amazon's fault. Well, that's interesting because Amazon has a problem with people stealing authors' work and re-uploading it and selling it. So something's not working properly for it to flag yours and to not flag other yeah, I mean, no, it's good they flagged it, which is would be nice. They wouldn't spend three weeks. <laughs> if it was one person who could say, "Oh, okay, yeah. I see the contacts, <laughs> the people," yeah. you know, this is you know, somebody needs to write a story of like machines can't rule the world because they're not. Oh, I know it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will have the links in the in the show notes. It's called "No More Fairy Tales." What's the subtitle? Stories to save our planet. <laughs> Stories to save our planet. That's a lovely title. Yeah, we've got 24 stories there, uh, very eclectic. So there, there will be something for everyone. <laughs> and it's it's on Amazon or is it wide? It, it is on Amazon um, and it's also direct via the Green Stories website and the HabitatPress.com website. You can buy direct. All right. Well, we will I have. Mean, I had to provide a direct route in the end. <laughs> Well, Amazon was blocking us. And so, you know, That's out so of every true. problem comes an opportunity. Actually, this was an opportunity for there us to, for me to pull my finger out and start, you know, doing a, a direct version. <laughs> Just more work. I'm sure that you can handle that. More work as you, you yeah. know, do your speeches and teach your classes and <laughs> write your own stories. Set up a shop. It's fine. <laughs> no big deal. Well, we'll have the links to everything, um, I guess, Amazon might be easier if they're outside of the UK. Is it buying direct? Yeah. So um, the the ebooks are pretty easy via Amazon or sure. via the websites direct. Um, but if you're paperback, yeah, it'd be much quicker if you order via Amazon. But okay. You can also order via the website. It would just you have to allow a bit more time. Wonderful. And if if people have a manuscript that they think might fit your um, Orna Ross Green Stories novel competition, it's ends on the third like that's the day that they have to get their first yeah okay and that is greenstories.org.uk yep all right well we will have the links in the show notes um remember everyone it has to have a climate solution (laughs) (laughs) not just the world blowing up (laughs) 
And if you want to know what that looks like, get the anthology. There you go. <laughs> Make sure that your story. Or Habitat and you have, Man. Yeah, or Habitat Man. Yep. Um, and they have until, you know, they have through Christmas yeah. to sort of amp up their, their book and make yeah. it green solution. So. <laughs> Uh, but I'm sure that there's quite a few. I can already think of a couple of writers that I know that yeah. that's sort of their passion project to add it Excellent. into their fiction. So, um, so we will get hopefully lots of lots. It make your job more difficult. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll get to read some great stories. So that's always no. Fun, I really right? love that. Yeah, that's the best bit. I've managed to get it, so I just read the top ten now. <laughs> there you go. Wonderful. Um, so thank you so much, Denise, for coming on again and telling us. And I'll have all these links in the show notes for people to go find you. Okay. Lovely to talk to you, Kat. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the mastermind, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.